Go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Daniel chapter 11. This morning we're wrapping up a series through the book of Daniel. Uh, the final three chapters, chapters 10, 11, and 12, are an interconnected unit. Uh, they really work well together. Within these three chapters, we're given the final and most detailed of Daniel's visions. Daniel's going to provide a preview of the events that will take place during the intertestamental period, that is the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So chapter 10, in which Pastor Charlie preached about a couple of weeks ago, is um, provided the context. Chapter 11 provides us with the content. And then we're going to discover today that the content uh, of Daniel's vision can be trusted. And then in Daniel chapter 12, it provided us with the conclusion. The detailed accuracy of Daniel's prophecies that have been fulfilled give us great confidence that his prophecies of the last days are also accurate. So in Daniel chapters 2, 7, and 8, we were informed of four great empires. Each time that Daniel provides us with uh, more details, he gives us a little bit more information about each of those kingdoms. We know these four kingdoms began with Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then Greece, and then finally Rome. So let's begin. Let's look in Daniel chapter 11. We're going to begin with verses 1 and 2. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece." Now, notice that, that Daniel is very specific about the kingdoms of Persia and Greece. He tells us that the fourth king will be more wealthy than the previous kings, and that he is going to stir up some trouble with Greece. The fourth king of Persia was Xerxes I. And guess what Xerxes I, of course, did? He stirred things up with Greece. So Daniel is now writing very specific, not only telling us that there's going to be four kingdoms, but telling us what those kingdoms are, what, how many kings there are, what that king is, is going to be like, and that he's going to actually instigate and stir things up with Greece. So he's providing incredible detail that can be verified, and in fact was. Let's continue with verse 3. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will, will. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted, even for others besides these. Who is this, this mighty king that Daniel is re referring to, the one that will arise from Greece. Well, again, the detail is so precise 
that some skeptics suggest that Daniel's book must have been written after these events occurred and that they're actually just recording history. But, and, and, and as a result, not recording or, or foretelling prophecy. But the king is undeniably Alexander the Great. He doesn't have a, a lengthy reign. He died at a young age. And as a result, his kingdom was divided into four regions, north, south, east, and west. And each of those are going to be ruled by his generals instead of his posterity, as the scriptures say. In fact, we're going to find out that Alexander the Great's sons were murdered and no part of his kingdom went to any of his descendants. So Daniel then shares that a war rises. And a war is going to rise between the north and the south. So if the kingdom then is divided up into these four, uh, the north, the south, the east, and the west, the kingdoms that he's talking about here, is once Greece is, is broken up into these four sections, the northern part would be Syria, the Mesopotamia area, and then the southern part would be Egypt. These are the areas that Alexander the Great ruled. And these two were constantly at each other. Daniel wrote about this hundreds of years before it even occurred. So these, the kings of the north and the south, as I mentioned, were constantly in battle with each other, back and forth, for, even for hundreds of years. Every time they invaded one, they would pass right through Israel. And then the remainder of chapter 11 has dual fulfillment of prophecy. Dual fulfillments of prophecy. Now, what exactly is that? That is that they're pointing us to two events that are going to be fulfilled in similar fashion. The first one is Daniel points us toward Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a tyrant of a leader, and he hated Israel, and he wanted everyone to worship him. History records that he brought a pig into the Jewish temple. He slaughtered it on the altar. He cooked it. He even then stuffed it into the mouths of some of the priests and caused the daily sacrifices to God to cease. And then he placed a statue of Zeus inside the Holy of Holies. He demanded that all copies of the law of Moses to be burned. These events occurred in 168 BC. And it's commonly referred to as the abomination of desolation. Now, why is it called that? The Jewish people understood this to be the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. When Daniel wrote these words, verse 31, and forces shall be mustered by him and they shall defy the sanctuary fortress, then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. So it was very clear, Daniel has been writing about all of these events that's going to happen, all of these kingdoms that are, are going to be taking place, and the kings, and what the kings are like, and what the events are going to take place, and this tyrant, and then he describes this abomination of desolation with such detail that when Antiochus Epiphanes uh, did the things that he did, there was no doubt in the Jewish people's minds that this was the fulfillment of that prophecy. However, 
there is a dual fulfillment of this prophecy. The second one, though the prophecy of the abomination of desolation was fulfilled at the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, Jesus tells us that it will have a second fulfillment. Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 24. Listen to Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, notice, first of all, that Jesus did not call Daniel as a historian. He called him a prophet. So that should settle the issue of whether or not Daniel was writing history or whether or not Daniel was writing prophecy. Jesus said Daniel was a prophet. But can you imagine what they thought? Imagine what they were thinking when Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation. Can you imagine they're thinking, we've already seen this. We've already seen it. This was, this is, the unspeakable has already happened. Someone came in and slaughtered a pig on the altar that was reserved for our Lord. And not only did he do that, he, he degraded our priest. He degraded them. What a terrible thing. That was the abomination of desolation. And then Jesus is saying, now you're going to see another. You're going to see that fulfilled again. So they must have been thinking, wait, what? What are you talking about? So a dual fulfillment prophecy means the first one is a type. Uh, maybe a prototype would be a, a word that we might use. And then the second one is the ultimate fulfillment. Jesus is telling us them, and telling them that Antiochus was a type that is pointing us toward the Antichrist. So, let me give you a quick overview of how Daniel chapter 11 describes Antiochus and then how the Antichrist then contrasts with what we know of Jesus. And then that'll set the backdrop uh, for our message this morning. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 20, Antiochus, or even the Antichrist, is despised, but Jesus is desired. In verse 23, Antiochus is deceitful, but Jesus is truthful. In verse 28, Antiochus hates the Holy Covenant, but King Jesus loves God's Holy Covenant. In verse 31, Antiochus desecrates the temple, but when Jesus came, he cleansed the temple. In verse 31, Antiochus abolished the sacrifices. When Jesus came, he became the sacrifice. In verse 32, Antiochus murdered God's people, but King Jesus refines God's people. In verse 36, Antiochus was willful for whatever he desired, but King Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. In verse 36, Antiochus exalted himself, and King Jesus humbles himself. Verse 36, Antiochus desired to be God, but King Jesus actually is God incarnate. Verse 36, Antiochus blasphemes God. 
King Jesus glorifies God. Verse 38, Antiochus worshiped the God of war, but King Jesus is the God of peace. And then in verse 45, Antiochus and his kingdom came to an end, but Jesus and his kingdom endures forever. This contrast then serves as the backdrop as we look at Daniel chapter 12. You can't help but see how good Jesus is, how good the Son of Man is. Antiochus was a terrible leader. He was a terrible ruler. But in our kingdom, the one that we anticipate, the one that we live for, that kingdom has no end. That kingdom has an anointed ruler like no other, King Jesus.